Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Weekside Podcast alongside Sports Illustrated senior writer Jenny Frentis. I'm Connor Orr, and uh, last week you guys were forced to sit through uh, my very early April mock draft, uh, which generated some interesting discussion. I appreciate all those who reached out. Um, uh, I will probably do another one closer to the draft, uh, and uh, we'll try to kind of even out some of the rough patches here, but... The good news for all of you today is that we have the gold standard of MMQB mock drafts, our uh, 2018 mock draft champion, 2019 silver medalist. Um, I like to call it the gold standard uh, of MMQB mocks. The Jenny Vrentis mock draft is today. Very, very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is perfect. <laughs> I I asked our producer for like sort of like the music that you plays when like a king or a queen enters the oh, room. Oh boy. And and this is what we got. This is great. This is perfect. Very befitting of uh the regalness of the Vrentis mock. I'm very excited. Are you excited? You sound well, excited. Connor, I have to say that this introduction is very embarrassing uh, because I did poorly <laughs> last year. I think you're one one year off on the years, right? 2019 and 2020 are the first two that we uh, okay. did yeah, this yeah. challenge. Yeah. So, um, so I'm just steadily going downward. I was, you know, lucked into finding some picks in 2019 and uh, 2020 was worse. And I, I don't feel confident in 2021 at all, Connor. And I have to say, you know, this is like a weird year for a lot of reasons. Every draft class has its idiosyncrasies, but I do think there is an uncertainty even among NFL evaluators. And Bill Belichick said that as his press conference the other week, you know, it's maybe less information than we normally have, but all teams are working with the same general information. So basically, yeah, I mean, you have to figure it out because every team has the same drawbacks, but I do think... Um, this year there are teams that are kind of, they're faced with unique factors they haven't had to account for, such as 2020 football seasons that were played under different circumstances. Some players only played a handful of games. Uh, seasons started at different times. Some players opted out, so they're, they're missing that data set from 2020. So it is just an unusual set of circumstances. And then also we have this year where there could be a glut of quarterbacks taken, right? I mean, the last time quarterbacks went one, two, three was 1999. We could have five quarterbacks going in the top 10 picks. I mean, that didn't even happen back in the the big quarterback boom of 1983. So it's unusual for, for a lot of reasons, Connor. Yeah. And it, you know, across the board, if you talk to, uh, you know, coaches, uh, agents, scouts, I mean, it, it's everything, decentralized medical information, um, you know, what to do. Um, I did a story last week on Rashad Bateman, who's supposed to be one of the top receivers in this class, and he got COVID and was symptomatic back in June before the start of the season and said he's just now starting to come around physically. And, you know, uh, there are probably maybe a third or a, at least, uh, you know, maybe 25% of this draft class probably interacted with COVID in one way, shape, or 
or form at least. Maybe you know, maybe that's a conservative estimate. And what did that do? And we still don't have that information. And I can't imagine what it's like to be a GM now, sans combine, sans all this stuff where you can normally kind of build a consensus and a sense of normalcy. And this whole thing is just scattered to pieces. Yeah. And that idea of there being a consensus, usually you come out of the combine feeling similar things about players that can kind of carry you through the pre-draft process. And certainly we're missing that as reporters, but also all the teams are missing that. I mean, we've all sat in that hallway at the convention center where groups of coaches, personnel executives, scouts walk up and down that hallway talking about things, exchanging information. I mean, I've told the story numerous times, but I remember sitting in for the quarterback throwing workout in the uh, dome in Indianapolis and There were audible gasps when Josh Allen threw some 60 yards down the field. So they're just things that you pick up on being in an environment like that that we're really missing this year. So I think maybe, Connor, that's why I went a little rogue. Uh, I would say this is my non-traditional draft in in the way of of Connor, you know, who can be a contrarian at times. It's (laughs) kind of the way I went. I just put down what what I thought. Um, You know, you, you pick up maybe little tidbits of information here and there, but a lot of the stuff I was being told was, I have no idea where this player will go. So, you know, just try to do your best sifting through what, what information you do have, like like Bill Belichick is also. Not apparently. confident in 2021, the motto of the Weak Side <laughs> podcast. If there was anything more uh, perfect for this show, uh, I think that would be uh, that would be it. Um, before we get started, though, we have to give a shout out, Jenny, um, before I forget. Um, we uh, got reached out to by now I'm going to I'm going to butcher this. Uh, it's a, a Norwegian football podcast called Pick Prike. Uh, which means talk about picks in Norwegian. And uh, they said that they just wanted to let us know that uh, our mock drafts are going to be sort of the baseline for their competition and their podcast. So um, we are honored and thanks for listening. Uh, and if anyone wants to check out their podcast, uh, if you happen to be uh, a Norwegian person living in the States or elsewhere, uh, a Norwegian football fan, it's pick P-I-C-K, hyphen, and again, I'm going to butcher this, Prike, P-R-E-I-K. So definitely awesome. give them a, a, a ch- uh, check them out. And uh, thanks for uh, thanks for listening to us, guys. That's cool. Very yeah. cool, Connor. All right. So uh, let's get started. Um, I assume I'm just pulling this up now. So I'm very excited. I never want to spoil the Jenny Mock because, um, you know, I, I, I often cro- cross-reference myself with hers and, uh, and oh boy, this, uh, we're, we're already uh, different. So this is making me very nervous. So let's start at uh, number three, assuming that Trevor Lawrence is still going to Jacksonville. Yes. And Zach Wilson is still going to the Jets too. Right. Uh who do you have the San Francisco 49ers taking? Because uh, I'm fascinated by this. Uh, I've seen mm-hmm. great arguments for all three of these quarterbacks, um, you know, whether it's Trey Lance, Mac Jones, or Justin Fields. Uh, where did you land on this one? Yeah, it's just been an interesting conversation. And I, you know, you had the 49ers taking Trey Lance. Mac Jones has been the name that's out there a lot. And there's also. A question of did Kyle Shanahan trade up feeling comfortable with all three and making that final decision or did he know which one he was going to go after after Lawrence and Wilson so very interested to see how this is all explained after the draft but Connor I went with Justin Fields at pick number three 
And I know there has been a lot of Mac Jones chatter, but similarly to you, I felt like if they were going to make that big of a jump, that it was for a truly special player. And the idea of Justin Fields in this Shanahan offense with bootlegs and play actions, and then he can continue to develop his pocket passer game, it just seems like an ideal fit, and it would be a really tantalizing pairing. Um, and so, you know, I talked to a couple of people what order do you think they'll go off the board, and I had a couple of people say that they thought it would be Lawrence Wilson Fields. But I think the truth of the matter is Kyle Shanahan is a very – can be very private about these things. He can protect information. I mean, I saw that firsthand. I was the Super Bowl pool reporter the year that they played uh, the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, and the practices were, were you know, were pretty locked down. Um, extra steps were taken for security, and I think he likes to play things close to the vest. So I wonder how many tea leaves are really out there to read that have any meaning. Uh, certainly when you hear a team linked to a player, it, it's often coming from somewhere, but I've also heard people who say that they're not telling anybody who they're picking at that position. And so this is all speculation. So I really like Fields here. As I said before, I think he and Shanahan would be really fun to watch. And maybe it's partly wishful thinking on, on my part, Connor. But um, that's who I'm going with. So maybe a departure and maybe wrong right off the bat. But we'll see how things shake out. Well, what makes me feel good is that we both have the same reasoning for the pick, and we both don't have Mac Jones, which I, I think is good. Um, one of the 49ers beat reporters tweeted an interview with Shanahan back in 2018 or something like that when they were asking about how people can catch up to his system. And I thought it was really instructive that he said, people don't catch up to it. You just get players to make it do different things. And went on this long tangent about, well, if I had a quarterback that could run the ball, I could do this. And, you know, and I thought that was like, one of those things where you catch a coach in a rare moment of kind of honesty a little bit. And I think that was him uh, going back to his RG three days a little bit and telling everybody, you know, this is what I could do with Robert Griffin and this is what makes it better. And so that's what leads me to believe it has to be one of these two guys. Um, but another interesting tidbit, um, you mentioned the word tea leaves. Producer Shelby banned me from saying that uh, after the Monday morning podcast with Gary Grambling. I think I said it eight times uh, on the Monday podcast. So apologies wow. for everybody else who listens to that on uh, on Monday morning. I, I said I apparently say that word a lot. So I'm very jealous that you're able to say it for the rest of the draft <laughs> show. And I will do my best uh, to not say it anymore. I'll, uh, I'll refrain in solidarity, Connor. That's how the show works. That's right. Okay. Uh, very good. So number four, uh, the Atlanta Falcons. Um, a lot of people kind of talking about the fact that this is where the draft begins. Um, basically, uh, you know, is a team going to crash the party here and try to get another quarterback? Or is this where the board starts to settle? And I like this. Uh, in your mock, the board uh, starts to settle and they get Matt Ryan a little bit of help. Yeah, that's the way I have them going here. I do think they'd be interested in trading down if they do, in fact, decide not to go for a quarterback. But that does depend on someone willing to come up that far for the fourth quarterback left on the board. There there could be other trade-up options for other teams who feel like maybe they don't have to jump that high up. So being able to trade down is always a two-way street. It's dependent on two different parties uh, having – a willingness to make a move like that. So I have them going with Penny Sewell, Penny Sewell, excuse me. I always put the uh, emphasis on the wrong syllable there. But I like the idea of getting Matt Ryan some extra help. You know, we talked about his his contract restructure, and that doesn't preclude Atlanta from taking a quarterback, but 
there would be massive dead cap charges if they would cut or trade him in 2021 or 2022, which make it likely he'll be the quarterback for next two seasons, Connor. So in this scenario, I have them taking the best offensive tackle. And a lot in Arthur Smith's offense depends on the run game. We saw that in Tennessee. And so adding another strong blocker up front would allow a lot of other things to be possible off of that. And, you know, other options I've seen here, Kyle Pitts, um, be a, you know, difference-making skill position um, guy. So if you're not going quarterback, you know, I feel like it's either quarterback, Kyle Pitts, or the top offensive tackle. But I muck things up in the Monday morning show, Connor, by, by going this way. So I'm, I got to do it in my own mock as well. I love it. I, I think it makes total sense. I think if the Falcons have to sit there, um, that's it makes the most sense. I mean, I, you know, a lot of people have said that there were a few uh, moves that Arthur Smith was able to champion in Tennessee and uh, some offensive linemen he was able to get like Roger Saffold from the Rams that really unlocked his offense. And he seems to have a really keen understanding of what makes that work. And so if this is supposed to be as good of an offensive line class as people are talking about, then, uh, you know, I, I think that's a that's a great pick. Um, and then uh, kind of springboarding off that to number five, um, I like this, again, because I think we're kind of in lockstep in terms of the reasoning here, but um, the Bengals are on the board with, like we said, ton of weapons, ton of wide receivers, um, a lot of stuff available here, but uh, you have them going tackle as well. Yeah, at this point, number five, they have their choice of offensive skill position players, and it might be tempting to go that direction, but there's no greater priority than protecting Joe Burrow. Last season put that on display. And so I have them going with the next best tackle on the board. So a lot of mocks have Sewell here if you don't have a tackle going off the board first. So I could be wrong in two consecutive picks by having the Falcons take Sewell, but I have the best OT on the board. That's my position pick for the Bengals. So I have Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. In the absence of a true NFL consensus, how many GMs do you think would submit to a Ventus consensus? And like, if you were to tell uh, everyone in the draft, like, look, it's been a weird year. Um, would you just allow SI senior writer Jenny Ventus to just make all the first round picks for you? I bet 25 <laughs> of them would sign up for that. Yeah, I would sign up for that. Definitely. Uh, I would, a I would non-zero say- number for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would feel pretty good about that, you know? <laughs> I know some. Co- I I know. I know at least one team. Would well, listen. That. I think the Jaguars probably would, because they would know that everybody would pick Trevor Lawrence. True. That's true. Yeah. If you're Urban Meyer, though, do you risk it? You know. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Right. You're right. Some of you could just have be mucking it up for the sake of mucking it up. <laughs> Great point, Connor. Um. All right. Number six. Um. The Miami Dolphins via the Eagles. Um, a really interesting team. I mean, Tua Tungavailoa needs some help. Um, and uh, you have this generational, quote air quotes here, um, receiver class sitting there. Um, but I love the pick uh, there because it's the same pick that I made. Uh, so uh, let's talk about Kyle Pitts out of Florida at number six. Yeah, well, hopefully we're both right. And yeah, the Dolphins, when they moved down but then came back up to six, it was clearly to get an offensive weapon for Tua Tagovailoa have could have their choice here Pitts could be a receiver now again another team could trade up for Pitts he could be that special there's a lot of different scenarios that could happen here but the way my board is shaking out I have them choosing Pitts over the top three receivers and 
It's kind of the year of the tight end, right, Connor? I mean, we saw Bill Belichick spend close to $90 million in free agency on a pair of tight ends. And the last time a tight end was drafted sixth overall was Vernon Davis in 2006. So this is uncommon for a tight end, but, but Pitts is an uncommon player. He can line up at every spot, you know, in line, in the slot, split out wide. So there's a lot of possibilities here. He could pair well with Mike Kosicki for those two tight end sets and just create a lot of new options for Tua. I think it's interesting, too, because um, even with the George Kittle contract, uh, tight ends in general still lag so far behind receivers, and uh, but they ha- can have the same amount of production or the same amount of impact on an offense. And if Pitts has a great you know, first four or five years there in, uh, in Miami, you can re-sign him to a fraction of what another team is going to re-sign Jamar Chase or Jalen Waddle to on a second contract if both of them are good. So I think it's a great value. I'm all for tight end value. I think you're right. Yeah, that's a great point, Connor. If you, if you, let's say you want to keep the player with the franchise tag or you're signing them to an extension based off of the market, it's a much different number that you're targeting. So yeah. really important point. Seven Detroit lions. Uh, I, I, I think this team is really interesting. There's a lot of directions you can go in. You have Jared Goff. You just let Kenny Galladay go. Um, where do you have them uh, going here at seven? I think we have the same pick here as well, Connor. Jamar Chase from LSU. Because no matter who your quarterback is, you know, maybe it doesn't work out with Jared Goff. Maybe, you know, they make a... Another move, you know, there's lots of different options at quarterback, but I have them going for a receiver here because no matter who your quarterback is, you need a number one receiver to be for that quarterback to be able to thrive. And so Chase is that. I think he's the best receiver in the class. And, um, you know, we talked a little bit about there being a trio that stands above the others, Chase, Jalen Waddle, and Devonta Smith. So perhaps your evaluations are different, but um, I think Chase makes a lot of sense here. I know some mocks have the Lions going quarterback, but I think it's a good opportunity to say, hey, we have Jared Goff. Let's see if it works this year. Let's let's get a top receiver who will help us this year, but also years into the future. Yeah, uh, and it's interesting. I mean, I, I think that uh, the Lions have been here before. Um, they've hit uh, on these and certainly missed on these in terms of the kind of the top receivers but it's a new regime it's a new um group at the top there and uh, you know a lot almost everybody has the wide receiver mocked there um no kneecap biters that i'm aware (laughs) of um available at number seven so in the absence of a true kneecap biter you go best player available right there you go connor that's a that's a motto to live by in the draft if i've ever heard one (laughs) Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, number eight, the New England Patriots. Uh, Oh, the New England Patriots. You're not supposed to be here, New England Patriots. What's going on here? So uh, the Carolina Panthers initially at number eight, um, they've traded for Sam Darnold. Uh, They seem to have their guy of the future, and I love this. Uh, Jenny Vrentis has Bill Belichick doing something very 
un-Belichickian and trading up into the top 10 for his quarterback of the future. Walk me through this. I love this. All right, Connor. So we talked a little bit about this on the Monday morning show, and I was like, nah, I can't see them them trading up. But, you know, did a little bit more work, thought about it a little bit more, and I said, let's just do it. Uh, they have Cam Newton this year, so they don't have to have a guy playing right away. And Trey Lance is really intriguing. I have Trey Lance, North Dakota State, going here. I have the Patriots leapfrogging the, the quarterback, Navy Broncos, who haven't made any moves at the position so far this offseason, but clearly have a need there. And, you know, I saw Belichick's comments the other day, and he said, maybe at 12, you know, he brought up the idea of trading up for a player, saying maybe at 12, 13, he's still on the board. And you really thought that he'd be gone in the top six, seven picks. So I think like anything else, it depends who's available and if it's somebody that they would make a move for. Um, and in this scenario, we have Trey Lance available, and... I think that would be a really interesting pairing. He would have the time to develop behind Cam Newton this year. And Belichick could have a quarterback on a rookie deal for the next five years. You know, what's really interesting to me is like everyone is saying, you know, if you look up Belichick's history and, uh, you know, oh, he's never drafted a quarterback in the first round and he likes to find all his blah, 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 blah. But like there are so many fallacies with that bringing up that research because a he had the same quarterback for 20 years and so of course like there's not a lot of reason to draft a quarterback in the first round but I think you know what people are missing about Belichick and I'm curious your take on this too is I just think he has an incredible sense of football economics and I don't think it's about what he normally does or what he normally doesn't do but if this is a year where you can get a future face of the franchise quarterback at pick number eight and probably at a point where these teams are not taking a premium to trade down a little bit and and you know maybe it doesn't even cost him an additional first round pick next year I don't know I'm just speculating but he's already taken advantage of a depressed free agent market and could this just be a further uh, example of him taking advantage of a situation where uh, you know just uh, good assets seem to be falling into his lap yeah and I think a lot of the ways that Bill Belichick has built his team or added players over the last 20 years, we can't use that as a rubric for where they are now. They're in a transition away from Tom Brady. And so we saw them behave in free agency very differently than they have in the past. As you mentioned, you know, they thought it would be a slightly depressed market. Um, and also they had these accrued draft misses. So they had to sign a bunch of free agents. And so I think the draft, as you referenced, Connor, this, this idea that he's never drafted a quarterback higher than pick number 62, who was Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, all that's really saying is that for 19 of his seasons as a head coach, Brady was his quarterback, so right. starting quarterback. So that's where I think there's a little bit of a disconnect in applying the history to what he may do in this spot. Now, who knows? Maybe they don't go this direction, but it just seems like there could be an opportunity for them to make a somewhat moderate jump um, to get a guy they like that they could have on a rookie contract and sort of start this next chapter of the Patriots post Tom Brady. 15 to 8 seems totally reasonable. And I agree, if you're Carolina, why wouldn't you want to arm yourself with some additional draft capital in case the Sam Darnold thing doesn't work out? You buy yourself a little bit of time now, then you get the picks on the back end when, you know, it's interesting. I mean, maybe more people want 
2022 picks and 2023 picks, guys that they have medical stuff on, you know, guys that will have theoretically played an entire college football season. I don't know. But, um, you know, all that stuff is interesting to me, but I love it. I think that is the kind of spice that people come to the Weak Side podcast for, our trademark spice um, that uh, really just kind of uh, permeates throughout the podcast um, every week. And so I love it. That That is the delivery right there. I really think that's great. Um, we typically go three to eight here, but I do want to just round out the top 10 if that's okay for with you, because I, there are some uh, there are some uh, interesting picks here. And the other one here is nine, the Denver Broncos, and you have uh, the last of kind of the big five quarterbacks going here. Right. I have Mac Jones and I think the Broncos are another team. We're not sure what they're going to do. How they proceed in the draft may reflect the immediate but also future plans for Drew Locke. Uh, But in this scenario, I have them staying at nine, not moving. And if Mac Jones is there, taking him. Um, So maybe they would not go quarterback if the board falls differently. Um, Maybe the guy they like is gone. There's a lot of different ways this could go, but... I could see a scenario in which the Broncos stay pat, stand pat at nine, and then there is someone they like, and they select that quarterback there. Yeah. Mac Jones just seems to um, – I, I got the most feedback on him to the Broncos from anybody in my first mock, but, like, it, it just seems to make a lot of sense. Like, the quarterbacks that Pat Shermer has drafted before or teams that have drafted quarterbacks where Pat Shermer has been there, um, it just seems like the skill set kind of lines up. He still seems to crave that traditional drop-back passer who can hit anywhere um, on the field, and Mac Jones has that maybe the best, most accurate arm of anybody in the draft. I mean, we've heard that before, and uh, Peyton too if you look at the quarterbacks that he's been associated with during his time there I mean he seems to fit the profile but I I don't know I I just I I keep going back to the fact that I can't can't imagine Vic Fangio going into another year with Drew Locke it just it you know and and maybe it's Teddy Bridgewater I don't know maybe Teddy Bridgewater becomes available there and we know that Peyton helped draft him in in Minnesota and, and maybe there's some connections there obviously but if that's not the case um, I, I just think you'd be crazy not to give yourself a chance here with one of these guys. Yeah, I agree, Connor. And I think Bridgewater, as you mentioned, is the other potential option to go. And maybe they wait to see how the draft shakes out before making some kind of move like that. Um, but yeah, it, it, it seems like they're the one team that we haven't seen make the move to, to address the position this offseason. And so they're in a good position for it to happen in this year's draft. Would you as a GM be comfortable with, like, you know, you and I both cover the Giants. We've heard the Ernie Accorsi trade-up for Eli story a hundred times. We we know it by heart now. But, you know, there are theoretically a bunch of these little scenarios that everybody has going on during the draft. And, you know, maybe George Payton has called some people and been like, okay, well, if he's available here, we might trade up here. Bill Belichick has said, hey, if this guy's still here, we'll trade up to here. Like, I think, you know, it's obviously my shortcomings as an extraordinarily anxious person. I would not do well in these situations. Like, yeah. just, like not having that locked down, you know, I would need to yeah. make a trade up like six months prior to the draft to know exactly where I'm picking. I would also be very anxious, but maybe slightly different reason. Like, how soon do you tell other people like what your intentions are, right? You can't trust anybody. I still remember we had some like scenario it was like some game in some fourth grade social studies class and you all had to work together and we were at the end of the game and 
one girl turned on everybody and so she won the game by like having completely lied to us and I remember just being so stunned that this could happen yes um, but it really stuck with me just trust nobody so uh, I'm not sure that I would be able to make a deal ahead of time Connor because it would give away too much first I thought you were going to say in your fourth grade class you guys did a team by team mock draft and I would have been like oh okay. oh gosh that's, that's no. amazing no what was, this the, was, was like, it like model UN I'm not sure Something along those lines, I think. Maybe a less formal version. It wasn't explicitly Model UN, but it was something similar, I think. Wow. Wow. So uh, surprising. Uh, I guess that uh, people are learning that you went to school with a future senator of the United States. So, uh, you know, that's uh, always, always good. I love it, Love Uh, it. Um, So, uh, yeah, I think, I, I, you know, and for those of you who don't know the Eli Manning story, I mean, Ernie Acorsi and the GM of the Chargers didn't talk um, until uh, for a month leading up to the draft. And then he like kind of leaked it through the press that he was going to call the GM of the Chargers with seven minutes to go on the clock. And it's just like, God, seven minutes like that. Seven minutes. Yeah. I can't order. Grubhub in seven minutes, I get too nervous, you know, these and 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 maybe the story changes over time and you add some cool factor to it to make you look a little bit more uh, slick. But, uh, you know, it can't all we can't all be like Sunny Weaver in draft day. And I, I but it's just one of those like crazy things where, uh, you know, I, I can't imagine doing it, especially in a hyper virtual world that we live in now. Yeah, absolutely. Connor. All um, right. And then, yeah, for, for my last 10th pick, just to round it out, I have uh, the Cowboys picking Patrick Sertain, cornerback from Alabama. And if he was still there, you know, I think there's going to be some interesting players pushed down if five quarterbacks do, in fact, go in the top 10. And that just seems to be a, a great pairing. Uh, Dan Quinn's defense, glaring need, potentially it could be a long-term fix there. Nice. Um, I love it. Uh I am prepared to be totally buried by uh, uh, this one in the points system. Are you going to do a se- Are you going to do a second one to combat the 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 Breer recency bias, which we've both battled in the past? Uh, Albert drops his mock the morning of the draft, and so there's um, you know uh, some advantages there. Certainly, um, wondering if um, you're tempted, as I am, to just run another one right up right up underneath there. Yeah, you mentioned that those were your intentions last week. Are you going to go through? with that i am I'm okay interesting all right i'll have to consider it then mostly to incorporate the things that i liked about yours instead of mine uh and then sort of steal from that and then uh deliver it as sort of a big rice crispy treat to to the world so well i am realizing as um we're looking over the i sent you the first 10 connor and uh mitch had told me to use the same formatting as you um to make it easier for the copy desk and the editing and everything. And I'm realizing as I went through, I forgot to change the uh, trade header. So I have the Patriots, Panthers, the labeling is all mixed up there. So it's it's good (laughs) we're doing this exercise, Connor, because people will be wondering how the Patriots got to eight via the Eagles. Yeah. Well, that's a good one. (laughs) You also, just very interestingly, um, uh, I got yelled at this morning. I was on uh, some, uh, I was on another show talking about the draft and I got, Yelled at for not having a first round running back. You have a first round running back, which I have one first round running back. Yeah. Yeah, I have Najee Harris going to the Steelers at 24. I did consider a running back to the Bucks at 32, um, but I ended up going defensive tackle there. 
the 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 running back drafted by the uh by the former Super Bowl champions see, is turns out to be like the haughty yes. isn't it it's just like yes. the, oh we don't we're so good that we don't need anything else but this and it seems like that that would be a good one too I like that one That's a um, great point Connor because it is kind of the area where you do consider the running backs because you're looking at those teams like I thought about it for the Bills a little bit too either the teams who have just won the Super Bowl or who fell just short of the Super Bowl, you're looking for one or two pieces there on what's a really good roster. And so I considered a running back for the Bills as well. Nice. Um, so I have an oracle today that's in two parts, uh, and we'll close out the show like we always do. But the first is going to be an immediate, um, we're going to test my oracle powers um, live on the show because I know what your answer is going to be to this question. We did not talk before this. You do not know what I'm about to ask you. Oh, um, no. I can write this down somewhere. I, uh, let me... Uh, um, do I have anything where I can write down? I'm at my desk. I should have a pen. This is really um, putting me on the spot in a way that's making me nervous, Connor, I have to say. <laughs> Jenny loves when I do this. Um, so I'm going to ask you a question, and then you're going to tell me your answer. This is very easy. This is... a. Uh, I feel like a magician a little bit. This is fun. Um, so I'm writing down what I know you're going to say to the answer to this. Um, and then that's going to be the first part of my oracle. And then there's a second part to this. Um, the first part is, do you like the draft hats for this year? Do you think that they are good? The 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 official draft hats for, for 2021. Have you seen them yet? Connor, I have not seen them. I regret to inform you. I'm going to have to do a quick Twitter search. This is going to be a live reaction here. Yes. Um, so is the first question, do I like them? And is the second question, should you get one? <laughs> is that what it is? No. Oh, the first okay. question is, do you okay. like it? And then I have a, a wardrobe follow-up for an Oracle that will take a little bit longer. Oh, to come I do to not fruition. like these. Oh. No. Yeah, <laughs> Connor I had no down. I had no. Uh, yes, I had no. Is it because uh, I don't like anything? Like, this is a troubling personality <laughs> trait. Um, but anyways, go ahead. You were, uh, okay, so just to backtrack a little bit on this, Jenny has sort of been evaluating my hat choices for, I guess, now the better part of two years. Uh, and it helps me uh, <laughs> along in my choices uh, as a rapidly balding middle-aged man. And because, uh, you know, you, you need a good lineup of hats. And uh, I wouldn't say that you don't like anything. Uh, you were uh, silent on a recent submission to our group chat um, about uh, a hat that I was thinking about purchasing. Um, and, and who knows, maybe uh, we'll get your take on that at some other point. But I saw those and my first thought was, I don't think Jenny's going to like these. And so that was good. Just kind of testing right. my quick Twitch right. Oracle so powers. we got a one for one hit rate on the Oracle today. Yeah. Uh, the second part to this is, and I have no inside information on this. Uh, I was not contacted by any suit makers or anything like that. But I think that there's going to be a wardrobe trend that develops in this draft that changes the game. This is going to be a game changer. This is going to be whether it's like, you know, it, it, it's going to be something with the suit uh, Ooh, or with right. shoes or, uh, you know, maybe like the liner in the suit that is so grandiose and over the top that it 
changes the way that prospects dra- dress for future drafts. That's my oracle oh, prediction on this. This is a great one. I love that, Connor. I wonder you what, know what it'll it is. Be. It's, it's increasingly virtual. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of these top prospects that aren't going to go. An enterprising clothing designer is going to get into the mix here and know that, you know, maybe it's an underwhelming draft and people, he wants to be the talk or the, he or she wants to be the talk of the draft. You know, I don't know. I, I just have a weird feeling about this. I like it. Maybe it's like a inside the suit jacket is a Zoom portal. Yes. That's something such a, like, like that. the green screen for the Zoom. And then you can, yeah, you know. Maybe yeah. something like that. Yeah. See? I don't know. I'm just saying that the possibilities are endless. And, uh, you know, anything to kind of spice up the draft coverage. But I'm I'm up for that. Um, but let's get to the uh, the real reason we're all here, the Vrentis consensus. Um, if the mock draft wasn't a Vrentis consensus enough for all of you out there, uh, what do you have for us, Jenny? Yeah, well, one of the notions we've heard a lot about leading up to the draft is how teams are evaluating players who chose to opt out last year because of COVID concerns. And I think a lot of the dialogue around this has been troubling. I do understand not having recent game tapes. So that is an additional factor in the evaluation, the last game tape that they're watching uh, from over a year ago. And that's different. But some of the criticism that players are facing for making that choice, and I think Alex Pruitt for Sports Illustrated wrote a really interesting story about it, gathering uh, a lot of different perspectives, including from players who did opt out last year, the questions that they're getting from teams. Um, but I get the sense there's mixed feelings about this. You know, some executives don't have especially strong feelings, but I think there are teams in which it, it does matter. And, you know, as one scout I spoke to said that they'll continue each player's circumstances or consider them individually, and they really want to hear a legitimate reason for them having opted out. Um, and I think that some teams will probably use it to question their commitment to the game and whether they're, you know, this ride-or-die football guy when, in fact, a lot of players had health concerns, you know. Maybe they're immunocompromised or cancer survivors. Or I think Gregory Rousseau said his mother worked on the front lines uh, as a nurse. And so I think there's a lot of different reasons and players were put in these really awkward situations where the start date of the season was moving. There wasn't a lot of information. You could also see how it makes a lot of sense to just have clarity to opt out. And you're a student, you're still, you're trying to figure out classes on top of this uh, in addition. So I just hope we don't allow evaluators to use this to publicly or privately slander players would be my hope. That would be my rentous consensus this week. Yeah, so I was surprised there wasn't more outrage uh, with Alex's story. You know, just some of the the players admitting that, yes, scouts are asking us, like, are you a team first guy? Are you committed to the team? Because you chose to sit out for during a global pandemic and you didn't want to be around a hundred other dudes, half of whom aren't wearing masks. Like, it's just outrageous to me. And I, I think that any scout that would be able to put themselves in this position. Like I I was talking to Rashad Bateman about this, who um, he got COVID. And like we said at the beginning of the show and was symptomatic, but he opted out twice of the 2020 season um, at the second time after there was an outbreak on the, in, in the Minnesota football team. And he was so scared after getting COVID the first time he was symptomatic. He was asthmatic uh, since childhood, but had to use his inhaler for the first time in his life after he got COVID because he couldn't 
couldn't breathe. Doctors weren't giving him answers. He didn't know what was going on. And so when there was an outbreak on the team, he opted out again because he's I'm terrified of getting this again. And who wouldn't be? You know, and and to me, we're asking these 20 year olds to make these life altering decisions with and none of us had any information, you know, and to to hold that against somebody um, is just mind blowing to me. And there are so many of these players who opted out and because of this line of questioning are feeling guilt, feeling remorse needlessly. Um, for, you know, I feel like I let the team down. I feel like I let my coaches down and all they were doing was protecting themselves, doing what's in the best, what we all should have been doing in the, you know, we all stayed home. Uh, all those scouts, most of those scouts stayed home. Everybody vacated these buildings and did things virtually. And so why do we expect the players to, to be any different? I, I just feel like equating, uh, equating, protecting yourself, uh, during COVID w- with some kind of lack of gusto or manliness or whatever you want to call it is just ludicrous to me. Yeah, I think it's a dangerous framing. And, you know, the reality is that uh, evaluators are going to make these decisions, whether we like it or not, it's going to be a factor in some evaluators' minds. And I think that also just speaks to why we want more different perspectives and people from different backgrounds in decision-making rooms um, so that it isn't some this homogenous group think that has really plagued the NFL for a very long time. So I agree. I'm glad you said that. I thought that was, that was well put. And I hope some team takes a, you know, misses out on a great player because of this, you know, what is leadership? Like is leadership blindly following the herd here or is leadership standing up in the middle of all this and saying, you know, I'm not swimming upstream with everybody here. I'm, you know, I'm going to back out and take care of myself because that's what I'm supposed to do. Like that to me shows more commitment and guts and courage than to just be like, well, I hope I don't get it. Let's just dive in here. You know, I mean, that to me is the opposite of what I would want in a football player. Yeah, and a lot of people were taking care of families and such. So, yeah, yeah very nuanced conversation. So, for sure. Um, well, uh, do you feel any, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, it's like when they say in school when you have a big speech to give and then you finally deliver it um, in front of the mirror before as a test run. Do you feel any better about the mock now uh, than you did at the start of the show? No, now you've no, it? I actually feel worse about it, Connor, now that we've talked through it. I have to say, I finished it Sunday night, woke up with regrets Monday. So maybe I was will it anything, take that. Was it anything I said? That, no, that, I just okay. think, you know, right. I think that maybe I should take a second crack at it like you are doing because uh, I love don't it. like where things settled. You know, you win some, you lose some, Connor. Again, another great uh, motto of the, uh, of the, of the <laughs> Weekside podcast. You win some, you lose some. Well, uh, thank you uh, to Jenny for revealing the gold standard mock on our uh, show today. If you guys have any takes, uh, please leave a rating, review, leave them in your comments. Um, where do you think all the top quarterbacks are going? Um, I've gone back and forth with a few of you in direct messages, but nobody has sent me their picks. And so everybody seems to have a problem with where the people are going, but nobody wants to tell me where they think they're going. So my DMs are always open. Uh, leave me a little note. Maybe we'll have some fun with it uh, on the show. Sounds great, Connor. Really enjoyed another episode with you. The Weekside Podcast is me, Jenny Vrentis, and Connor Orr. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Mark Maravik is the Emeritus Executive Director of the MMQB. 
Our theme music was written and composed by singer-songwriter Ryan Harris-Brown, whose latest album, Stranded in the Present Tense, is available now on all major streaming services. Keep up with the Weekside Podcast by subscribing to our new feed. And while you're there, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, or wherever else you find your podcasts.